When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance. And I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Are you looking to sell or buy your home or looking for an investment property? Look no further. BlackWealthRenaissance.com offers a free realtor directory with realtors located across the country to help you meet your goals. Just go to BlackWealthRenaissance.com and select Realtor Directory under Resources. That's BlackWealthRenaissance.com and select Realtor Directory under Resources. Do you have bad credit and minimum capital and want to get started in real estate? Hi, we're, we're the, the Mobile, mobile Home Elite, Elite Investors. Investors. Our e-course solves all of those problems by giving you all the strategies and secrets to become a successful mobile home investor. Tune in at www.mobilehomeeliteinvestors.com. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance podcast. We thank you guys for tuning in with us. This is your boy, Jalen, one quarter of the BWR team. I got my other co-host with me. What's up, Jared? What's up? What's up? Jared checking in, one-fourth of the BWR podcast, BWR team. Uh, Kelly, well, how, how you feeling over there, brother? What's going on? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we yeah, can hear you. What's going on, man? 
in the middle of nowhere, just trying to get back. Had a little emergency work. Had to hurry up and get back. Man, uh, we also we're missing David for this podcast. He's got some family events going on, so he's over there taking care of family business. We are going to get this podcast started, though. I'm excited to have this podcast. We have a lady in Texas that is putting in some great work. She is inspiring the community. She's helping the community, teaching people how to go out and get it and, you know, just create additional sources of income. I'm talking no other than Miss Erica Williams with the, you do the Classy Climb blog, correct? Erica Williams of the Classy Climb blog. There you go. There you go. How you doing, Erica? I'm doing amazing today. Well, we thank you for coming on and just coming to share some gems and drop some knowledge on us and our community. We appreciate it. Most definitely, most definitely. And you forgot one too. She's a every time I hear an Erica video, you know you gotta remember she's a six figure YouTuber. <laughs> Tell them. Put that respect on her name. <laughs> My fault. Let me let me get it right, man. <laughs> The reason I had to start doing that is people that, you know, people, um, I think people are just now starting to understand what YouTube is. And so they go, how many subscribers do you have? I go, honey, that's not, that's not the ballpark. It's, it's a money thing. I'm right. a six figure YouTuber. I don't care if I have 12, 12 followers, 12 subscribers. Right. So it's educating people that, you know, uh, they don't have to do crazy things for all these wild numbers. Right. right. They have to use it as a business though. So. Yeah, like, and that's one of the biggest things we definitely preach on, like, just using social media for the good that it can bring. You don't have to be out here making a fool out of yourself, stealing from people, or going just do some of the craziest, most ridiculous things These that challenges you challenges and all this other mess. You can make you can make money from your phone. So we definitely appreciate how you hone in and highlight on that aspect of becoming a six-figure earner from your smartphone. Um, so let's gonna just into the podcast and dive into it. Um, basically, how did you get to where you are? And just tell our viewers who are you, who is Erica Williams, and basically how did you get to where you currently are right now? So uh, long and the story short, it never is right. Uh, I was in North Carolina. I graduated from East Carolina University, and I went back home to Fayetteville, North Carolina. And this is after a few years of like, uh, you know, worrying about my mom. She was in Bethesda, Maryland. She had a, came from Iraq. She had some, uh, you know, a, a slight uh, brain aneurysm. Uh, but she's in total perfect health, driving great. She's doing great. But I had opened up a coffee shop across from a historically black college called Federal State University. And we were there for a solid two and a half years. And then on the road, they started working on the road. They literally, uh, <laughs> it killed business for me three other businesses. So we had to close. Uh, eventually, what I ended up doing is I was like, okay. I also, at the time, uh, got out of a relationship where I was supposed to get married. So I was like, look, I got to go. I got to go out of this town. I either got to go to Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, or Austin, Texas. It was like a coin flip. And I ended up getting to Austin, Texas uh, about over six years ago. So when I got here, I realized, okay, I've closed the business, but I've got all this, you know, I've got multiple skills. So I went into the apartment management industry as a billings manager, and I also ended up having to work a second part-time job, right? So uh, what I was doing is I was recording YouTube videos because I would have conversations with people uh, about investing, and they would be like, how do you know anything about investing? And I go, well, look, my uh, grandpa used to own a juke joint. Like, 
you know, our family has farms. We, you know, I had a lot of experience and I didn't realize it till I started talking to other people. And I think I learned that too, as a military kid, when you move around, like some people have never gone anywhere outside their hometown. Some people have never invested in a thing. Nobody in their family's owned anything. So if you're sitting here telling people that your family owns land and they have trailers and they have houses and they have rental properties, like, you know, you're blowing their mind and you don't even know it. So at that point, I started sharing it on YouTube because I felt like I know I'm not alone. This is, you know, I can share little book reviews and different things I've read to get me there. But at the time, what I was doing was I was like kicking butt all day. Then I was kicking butt at night and I was investing every bit of my part time job money into lending club notes, into investing. And so I pretty much wrote like the smartphone millionaire book right here via like doing, like actually doing. Um, and part of the story that people love when I tell them when I was in North Carolina before I left, I tried to get a tax deed, right? <clears throat> and there was a, a there was a, a auction on the front porch steps, right? You know, the old, you know, on the front porch steps. But there was always only six or seven people there. It was never more than that, six or seven people. And it was all older white dudes. And I'm out there like, hey, like, yeah. And I got it. And someone went back and forth with me for almost seven months. Uh, upsetting my bid. Now, what does that mean, upset bid? It meant uh, I would put them all in and they would come back and do 5% or $750, whichever is greater. And this person was so petty, this man, that he kept coming back. Like the deal wasn't even that good for him to keep doing it. But I think it was this, the attention to say, hey, it's us six guys who sit out here and we build on all the properties in, in, in Fedville. You don't, right? It was kind of a way to block you out. And so at the time I was telling people, I realized from that experience, you can do tax liens online. You don't have to be on the front porch steps. You don't have to have old Billy job and uncle Joe and them try to block you out. You can actually go online. And so between lending club, between the jobs, between moving to Austin, between meeting all these people in startup culture, I started just, you know, documenting my journey. Mm. The videos, I talk a lot about it where I'm like, yeah, I, you know, this is what I learned and in the process of documenting my journey, I was working as a billings manager. I'm sitting in the front and this guy who's 34, who's only like five years older than me at the time, he had just made half a million dollars off the apartment I was at because we had just told them, listen, financially, it would be cheaper to hire one guy to be your full-time painter for 50K a year to fix all these apartments, right? Because they had lost like 107 people. Leases had like, they were like, peace out. Because okay. Austin was just growing so fast. People could go get better deals other places. Gotcha. And the cost of that one company, not only redoing the doors because they were changing the paint uh, on the whole apartment building, so they had to paint all the doors. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And paint the inside of the apartments. This guy who was 34 was going to make half a million dollars. And he, he was like a, a joker. He was like some, you know, white kid in cowboy boots laughing his butt off, like laughing all the way to the bank because he would send two or three Hispanic guys every day. Just they would come get keys and they would be painting all day. Now, I know he probably paid those guys maybe 12 to $15 an hour, if mm -hmm. that. But here he is with this contract where we tried to convince property owners, you could save more money if you just hire one guy for 50K a year, full time. Whoa. But instead, this kid walks off with half a mil. So in that process of this whole story where I'm doing YouTube, I'm the billings manager, I'm doing all this stuff. I started a painting company with my friend here in Austin, Texas, and was the second. There's only two. 
second person of color, he's a man, I'm a woman, on the uh, city of Austin's website available for uh, the actual city bids. Now, <laughs> I know it's a lot, I'm telling you, but the go into the story is, I what I realized about government contracts, city contracts, and all that other stuff along the way, is people want you to play ball. Now, what does play ball mean? A lot of these bigger name guys would get huge contracts and call us and say, hey, I just want you to get paint. And mark it up, baby, mark it up whatever you want. Now, what does that mean? That meant the big guy had the contract mm -hmm. and he wanted to be on record of using a hub business. What is a hub business? Historically underutilized business. I was a woman, I was 51% ownership. I'm actually a multi-minority. We won't you know, go too deep in that, but I'm actually registered on paper as two minorities. Um, and so now you're hitting a trifecta, you're hitting a woman, she's in two minority class groups, and she's the only second person in Austin, Texas. Now, at the time, I'm like, hey, 30% markup, no problem, Bob, we'll, we'll, we'll hook you up. Right <laughs> now, my business partner at the time is a good old Texas boy who thought, no, they've got to use us because, you know, he, he didn't realize we were just playing the game. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. these men had billion dollar contracts. They had no intention on us painting a thing up in there or getting a bigger contract. Their goal was for us to get paint, mark it up 40, 50%, whatever ridiculous number we needed, which at the time I was like, 30%. And then I was like, old boy was like, you can mark it up 50%, right? <laughs> um, because it would look on paper as though they hired us, hired our company. But because my partner thought it was unethical, um, when I went out of town after a few months of this, he, when he responded to the phone call to go get paint, he said, no, nah, I want to come by and do an estimate. So several of the companies were like, you know what? Yeah, we're not going to use you guys anymore. Oh, the only other brown minority guy on the city of Austin website. And that was pretty much the end of that. Um, you know, not to be super long with it, but, but you have to realize that a lot of companies, uh, it's kind of get in where you fit in and don't rock the boat. And when he responded that he wasn't going to do that, they realized that, oh, they're not going to play ball anymore. And that was kind of the end of that. So uh, <laughs> it, it can be very lucrative, but, you know, you know, I've actually met the, uh, I'm going to be careful because I might give him away, but we call him the black cowboy. He's a realtor here in Austin, Texas. If I give too much information, y'all know who I'm talking about. He's the other only black painter on the city of Austin website. And okay. so every time I would see him, he'd be like, hey, like, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> it was you who gave me those contracts. I was like, oh. <laughs> that, so that's crazy. Just to that's crazy. I've been talking for a long time. But oh, no, you're good. So <laughs> it's definitely some stuff in that story that needs to be dissected and kind of yeah. like more yeah. highlighted on. And I'm gonna go with the first, like the biggest overall theme is basically you had entrepreneurial spirit, like just written all over you, from the tax yeah. liens in North Carolina to you starting a paint company. You saw the opportunity. You saw that it was a void lack, and you was like. Hey, let me slide up in here and let me make what it what happened. Like, has that spirit always been within you as a younger child? Or was it like, like you said, a result of you being in the military and being exposed to so many things? You're like, okay, I see this opportunity here. Let me take advantage of it. I think I think it's a combination of the family who I'm who I'm from and where I'm from. Like uh, my grandparents were in Japan and met each other. Uh, they were in the military, and met each other. Uh, and got married in Japan and 
And so you have a lot of like, just every single person I can reach back in my family has done something entrepreneurial. My little sister, when she graduated high school, she started a uh, hair salon and has been a hair braider slash hair salon person for like ever, right? So even when I had my coffee shop, my nephew would be like, oh, here's my mommy's business and here's my aunt's business. And like, here's this four-year-old telling everybody, oh, here's my mommy and aunt's business, right? Um, my, <laughs> my grandma back in the day when she was short on rent would have fish fries and these men would come by walking past the work and they would buy the plate, right? In North Carolina, because you know, that's how you do you. So, you know, you, you're supporting the fish fry without supporting, without, um, handouts. Does that make yeah. sense? Right, right, right. Um, and so my grandma back in the day, you know, all kind of stuff, you know, so you can look back every kind of every generation and see where people were like, okay, Hey, I think in the eighties, my grandma was like, Hey, we, it's the eighties. We taking a hit everybody. Let's jump right now. And so there was a moment where we we're all smashed up in this, uh, you know, house in North Carolina. Right. And we've got parents, going to basic training we've got parents going to nursing school we got everybody was like going at one time and i think it's because our family is just very like action we're action oriented people we move in sync kind of and i realize a lot of people families don't have that at all right. so but you, you know i give much props to my grandma and grandpa who are like hey let's get it <laughs> let's get it right now we gonna be in trouble let's go <laughs> it's pretty lit and it's pretty cool how they kind of dictated the way your family moved and the way y'all keep on progressing. So basically y'all already been building generational wealth. I see my boy Jared got something he want to chime in on. What you got to say, bro? No, I just, I just wanted to throw in like, it's cool. Cause we always talk about, uh, you know, starting generational wealth for the next, you know, generations and you know, how, how to pan out and people think either it will help or it won't help or, you know, whatever. But it's like with Erica, you kind of get to see an example of like, okay, if I start this ball and get it rolling uh, for my family, this could be, you know, two, three generations down the line, you could have somebody that's that's an Erica. She went out, she got it, and now she's successful and like is getting a lot of notoriety about or behind that success because of the fact that she started with the correct mindset. She already had, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about getting established for our next generation. I just think that's a cool thing to start out with. Okay, and I want to. Oh wait, I was gonna say. I was gonna say this. I got my first job, and this is where I think the tide. Of course, I try to tell people to get an idea of my family. My first job as a fourteen-year-old was with my cousin, who started a dollar store, but it wasn't a franchise. He literally got on the phone and got on the computer and got things from China and bought them over to start his own dollar store. So before, you know what I mean? Like this is years before the internet. Like I'm, if, if just imagine, I'm in my thirties, right? So fourteen mm -hmm. is. 20 plus years ago, right? And he had the knowledge to go get on the computer and buy things from China and get them out of like wholesale sites, magazines, right? Mm. It's like- Yeah, I was just about to say them catalogs. Yeah. Catalog, that's the word, catalogs. So. And it's like, you, you're not thinking like that if you don't have people that are entrepreneurial around you, family that's passing that type of like thought process down. You're not thinking like that. Yeah, and now I want to chime and pick up piggyback off of what we talked about off camera. You said your aunt, your uh, nephew, he now has a lawn service company and you're possibly about to get him on a truck in the uh, future, which is crazy. How old is your nephew? So Jalen, oh, excuse me. Well, Jalen's 11 going on 12, but he's very, very tall. Right? And so at nine and 10 years old, he'd take the lawnmower down the street and go knock the door. And people would be like, oh, because he's tall, right? He's tall. Right. 
you know, sometimes little brown boys are very, very tall at a young age. And so he was cutting the grass and my sister would run down the street looking for him and be like, what you doing? And the people would be like, oh, honey, I thought he was 12 or 13. And, you know, and like, it's like, boy, you got to ask your mom. You can't just take off, right? You know, and and so we got him a t-shirt. You know, he rode in the summers with his, un- one of my uncles in a truck for a little bit. You know, so he knows what the paperwork looks like. He knows all that. He can name off Peterbilts and, you know, Freightliner trucks. Um, his father's uh, parents' business is a tire shop, an oil change place in North Carolina. So, like, he's gone there and he's changed tires. He's lifted things. He's learned how to, you know, do oil. So, at, like, 11 going on 12, this kid already, like, he has skills. He has multiple skills. He can do anything. And so, as a treat kind of for his birthday, which is coming up, I'm going to put him on an LLC and let him be a part-time owner in a truck. So, that's cool. That is too cool. That is, that is the coolest stuff to me. Cause then and, and and like that's such a head start too. Cause it's like you turn around and and like for example, one of the largest issues facing America right now, or a lot of people is like the student debt. So it's like at the point when he's ready to go to school, if he wants to go to school, he has like, you know, let's say five, six trucks at that point, if not more. And it's like, oh, that's paying tuition. I'm not worried about taking out loans. I'm not worried about being behind when I get out of school. It's already handled, you know? Yeah, I'm also going to bring him with me to Detroit to look at, uh, there's a rehab we're doing. Once the mold gets cleaned out, I'm going to take him with me and let him put a little hard hat on and walk in the property and stuff like that. Because I think what happens is um, I just have a lot of friends of other ethnicities, right? Like I have a lot of Korean friends, you know, just from military families and Vietnamese friends. And and what I end up learning is at a young age, it's like taught to you, like this is how businesses run. This is how you do stocks. This is how you do whatever, right? I'm trying to get him a custodial account in the stock market right now and just like get him a couple dividend stocks because it's like every one of my friends, when they were 12 and 13, this was already like displayed, right? Um, mm-hmm. Prime example, what I tell people, the reason I was able to be so knowledgeable about credit was I had friends who moms were owning little flea market stores. Now, most people make fun of it. Oh, you in the flea market on the weekend with your little Korean mom, ha, ha, ha. Well, when I went to college, these same friends were sitting in our dorm room and the mail came in. <clears throat> they went and got mail. They were getting $100,000 American Express cards at 18. Now, they would call their mom and go, oh my God, mom, this came in the mail. She'd be like, don't touch it. I'm coming to get it. They weren't supposed to mail it to you. These folks' moms had $100,000 credit card balances from little flea market stores and we're putting them on as authorized users. But at the time, I, you know, their you know, their mom's Korean, but maybe she just forgot the step of don't send them the card. Right? right. And, and I remember seeing that and every one of those friends being able to be approved for a house at 20 and 21. And so it, it a lot of learning, a lot of sharing information and like um, even one friend who he decided, Hey, college isn't for me. I love selling stuff on eBay. Well, you know what his mom did? She got him, you know, the American Express credit card, got him a little storefront in Fayetteville, Fort Bragg. And you would go to it and you'd be like, ain't much in this store. Well, the whole back part of the store is huge because that's where he would be boxing and shipping things for eBay and Amazon. Mm. So really, it's just a storefront for him to go to work, you know, park his car in front of his BMW and then go there and just be on the computer all day, which we would make fun of. But that's been his business since we left high school. You know what I mean? And I think other communities are just like, <clears throat> instead of starting over from scratch all the time, their kids start from a different position. That's the most part. Right. I knew this episode was going to be special, but like, damn, you just touched <laughs> on so much stuff. And it's crazy. Just the way you, you have to sew into the generation that's coming up behind you. I have an example with my cousin. He owns a car dealership. 
and um, I'm currently working for him at his car dealership, helping him take it to the next level. But he has a son. His son is three years old. He comes in every day. His son is like, hey, I'm going to work. Like, he's like, I'm going to work with my daddy. He will go get the tools. He'll be in the back looking under cars. Like, he literally, he legit knows what's going on. He knows the process of, oh, they're coming to make their monthly payment for their car. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy because I was listening to him the other day, and he's about to start school. He's like, TT, I don't want to start school. I just want to work. I'm just like, you have to get educated, but it's crazy because he's about to be so advanced for his class and the age once he does get ready to start building and creating his own business, is it going to be like, it's going to be a breeze for him. So it's just crazy how you can sow into your family and help pass it on to the next generation and keep on passing on that generational wealth. So with, with that established, I kind of want to shift gears a little bit and kind of ask you a few more other questions because like, so we, we established from the education at home, especially that was kind of what helped you get the priority, the mindset to get it going. One thing I really liked out of the story, you started where you were, you got your, your part-time job and you started making sure you were putting that money all straight to investing. So then like, what was the next step from there? You got, uh, you said you were doing your lending notes. Uh, you started working with the tax liens and deeds. Was it just, was that how you got your first property or how, how did it start going from there? So uh, a combination of uh, inheritance that I wasted and also just like cheap property. Like when the storms hit in North Carolina, people would be selling an acre for like 10K, uh, you know, 5K. They'd be just trying to get rid of it to get some money. Uh, a combination of that, uh, a lot of it ended up being was I had an appendix almost first one night. So I'm like, Calling in the ER like, oh Lord, help me, right? So they come in and they were confused. They thought it was food poisoning. So they had me sitting there for a long time. Then finally somebody said, let me do an x-ray or something, whatever. And they go, oh my God, your appendix is supposed to be like this, but it's like this, right? So because all the doctors have left and we wasted time, they won't be back till 6 a.m. because it was a very you know, private hospital. They like shot me full of morphine, knocked me out. Then they woke me back up at, at 7 a.m. when they got there and were like, hey, we got to take you into surgery, sign this paper. So I sign it, they roll me into surgery, and then they go, because the hospital bill is $42,000, and we kind of messed up on our end, and we're a Catholic-based hospital, we're going to put you on one of the, the charity lists this year. We're going to wave, wave it off. Like, you got lucky. Waved off $42,000. I was like, yeah, right? <laughs> so, so then... For the next three months, I kind of went back home to North Carolina just so somebody could like take good care of me, right? Mm-hmm. The whole time I was home, I didn't worry about money. Between the investments, between all the things I had invested in in that two-year span, it was just paying back, paying back, paying back, paying back. And then I started writing about it. I'm like, y'all, I haven't worked in a month and a half and all my, my investments are paying me, right? Mm-hmm. And without credit cards, because this was the big thing. Everybody's like, oh, credit cards. I'm like, I hadn't had a credit card for years. Like after the whole business closed, between that debt with the business, I was like, no more credit cards. And I was showing people that even without credit cards, I was living well, right? Um, And even on the way coming back, when I came, you know, I stayed home for three months and I came back, I just realized like this, I have to tell everybody this. I have to tell and share everybody this, right? And I started just developing classes because I would get tired. Like I end up, I don't know if you realize, but I went on um, Dr. Boyce Watkins' channel via Andre Hatchett and I ended up getting 600 paid phone consultations for the next three months, I think three to five months, honestly, from that video. And I was like, 
this money is great, right? Consultant money is great, right? And I just started developing more business strategy. Like YouTube wasn't just, I'm up here throwing up videos. It was like, this is a business. Mm. People are going to want to talk to you. They're going to want to ask you questions. They want to clean their credit up. Like make it make sense so that, you know, you know, at couple many years ago, I was making five to 10K a month. Right. So people would see this little channel, like, why are you still doing these little videos? And I would laugh at dinner. I'd be like, honey, I'm, I'm clearing like 10K a month. What do you mean with little videos? <laughs> right. Like, mm-hmm. like, I think I primed my audience for when people would come to my channel, they would know, hey, this is where you take action. Like, thanks for watching my video. But what can we take action on so that your life is different in six months? And so that's kind of how the YouTube channel just progressed and progressed. And eventually now at this point, we're talking about five years in, I've done 6,000 phone consultations. And so like, I'm just done with phone right now. I've literally jacked the prices up so high, but it just gives you amazing data. Like when you talk to people, you talk to husbands and wives, when you like do so many phone where you're talking, oh, like this is a very, you know, we're all kind of facing a very simple problem. We've Mm -hmm. been kind of educated on a very low level. Uh, and then we get out in the real world. And so we start making these choices with credit and our cars and, you know, buying things. And now we have to, because we're forced to learn a higher level of learning instead of being able to take our kids and our situation, our spouses and go, Hey, this is what I know. And this is what we're going to learn together. Right. Just upper up in the education. Because if you really look at it, if you read one or two books a year, I mean, even a month, let's be honest, you get on audible, you get on audible every month, you get your one free book. And you, the end of the year, you've got 12 books under your belt. <laughs> you know, you're riding the car in the morning and you're learning. Like, it will change you and your spouse's life, really. Because it's like, th- there has to be something you're building on. Right. You're either building or destroying is what I tell people. And like, a lot of times, like, the short span from here to a million dollars has been like five years. Right? Four years, honestly, if you look at it. You look at the time I've been on this channel and between here and a million dollars, and now probably, you know, at this point, 11 trucks, all this stuff has happened in a short span of time. Wow. So, and, and I want to talk about that too, like the trucks yeah. and, and all of that. We're going in chronological order for anybody who listened to the video. We're going in a good order. We're good. <laughs> so I have a question first. So like, how did you learn about that stuff? So was it YouTube? I know you were doing YouTube, but were you learning on YouTube? Where, did, where were you getting your knowledge on starting these businesses and these investments? So the, the crazy part about it is like all those friends I was telling you about, those Korean mom's friends I was talking to, um, a lot of those, I would go to meetups all the time. I would, my family taught me about tax liens. Like, hey, we got a tax lien on us. You know, like, let me show you what this looks like and what you do to get rid of it, right? But from, if, from refusing to learn from the perspective of, oh, no, we got a tax lien to you can buy these. Mm. Like you can buy these. Like we went to South Carolina and bought one just to show me this is how you do it. Right. So a lot of it was from family. A lot of it was from friends. And this is why I say it's so important who your children interact with at school. Uh, you know, what they're learning, what they're reading. I think I have over, I think I've told people this, I have like 600 books at my mom's house. She's like, any day now you can get these books out of my house. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Like, <laughs> you can please take these to Texas and get them up out of my house, right? And... I had an aunt who worked at the library. She was a librarian. And it was like, like throwing books in education because it's literally, I keep saying there's nothing new under the sun. When I got the book called The Alternative Answer, I think I have it sitting right here too. I just finished talking to somebody about this one. It's The Alternative Answer by Bob Rice. Mm. I went in this book 
And I'm all like, let me see what I need to do. I was already doing level three stuff on there in that book. Right. So I was already doing peer to peer lending. I was already investing in land. I was already investing in timber. I was already investing in all these different businesses. And so a lot of times what happens is if you're not reading, if somebody can come online and say something, you're like, man, that was deep. You're not reading enough because I'll listen to people's videos and be like, oh, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. And not even a braggadocio way, but in a way of like, I read that much that I, oh, I've heard of that. So a lot of the businesses, things you see me starting, I read it and then took action, right? So the best way to say it is like, I had an uncle who did trucking, but Hood Estates was doing trucking in a way that I was like, I want to do it like that, where I'm not included in dispatching. I'm not included in doing all this. Now people be like, there's more money, Erica. There's more money when you dispatch. There's more money when you do. No, no, no. I want to check the show up at my bank account on Friday and that's it. And I go on about my life, right? If I got to repair something, tires, oil change, which I've learned a lot about, trust me. But like at the end of the day, I just want to check the show up on Friday and I go live my life. Like they, let that truck just be a tool. Um, I would just ask, you know, ask more, get more as a book title too. But I would ask somebody, I'd be like, hey, can you teach me that? Can I, I, I don't understand, explain it to me. Um, prime example, I have a friend with a car lot and he got all five family members over. They were from a Middle Eastern country. I don't wanna name the country because I narrow, narrow it down. But <laughs> he essentially sat down and said, listen, you see all these cars out here? And I go, yeah. He said, every single one of these cars, I claim as a value of 15K. He would only go to the auction and get BMWs, Mercedes, and um, Volvos. And I would go, but these cars have been sitting out here for years. He's like, yeah, but guess what? They're inventory. So every one of these cars is worth 15K on paper. Now, I can tell you personally, if you drive by this place in Philly, them cars are not worth 15K, okay? Like maybe five, okay, on a good day. <laughs> But on paper, there were 15K and on paper, he was able to say, I need family members to come help me in my business. Mm. So not only was he able to use that inventory to get loans, he was also able to use paperwork to get family members over. So there's a lot of things you learn if you just ask and, and you're not coming from a thirsty perspective. I'm trying to make it make it a sense. But if you go to events, like I would go in Fedbill, I would go to ribbon cutting ceremonies. Every time I see one coming up, I'd go to it and I'd be in the paper and the newspaper standing with everybody like cutting ribbons because what would happen is you'd realize is everybody there at that ribbon cutting ceremony is in the chamber of commerce. And at that point, there's a little, this is a little tidbit for your audience. If there's a United Way in your city where you're at, look and see if your United Way has a multicultural leadership board development. It's a course that they teach for nine weeks on Wednesday and you go. And once you take this course, you are now certified to be on any nonprofit board or city board in your city and state. And they're always looking for very diverse people in our community to be that. Because if not, who's on our boards in our cities and states? 60, 70, 80 year old white men who own businesses. Who's going to keep on upping the price on your bid? There you go. Right. <laughs> so, so just a little tidbit there. Like if there's two, three things I can tell people, if you're like, hey, I want to learn about businesses, I want to learn about stuff. Go to Chamber of Commerce events, go to Eventbrite things and ask questions, but without being thirsty, without like, I need that person to give me a job or something. Just like, hey, what what do you do? Oh, I have a business, you know? And then it, it, it's a very much an environment thing because other business, owner, other business owners are lonely, but they love people who get it. They mm. love people who are like, I'm ready to get it, right? Like I'm, I'm open to business because 90% of people are not. They're like, oh, I just want to get a job. So... <clears throat> Sorry, Kelly, that was a long-winded answer, but essentially going to events, 
asking, um, you know, just being about your business, people will really open up and tell you lots because they're like, oh, she's got her own thing. All free stuff. <laughs> I want to make sure we throw in there too. Like everything you just named was free from yep. the library to going to events to all of that. Like it's all free other than like if you get down the road and you're asking somebody for help and they tell you that you need to pay for a course or something like that, then that's not free. But other than that, the rest of all of that, like that was free. That's stuff that you can go do and go look up today to find out more information and start getting rolled. The biggest value in that story I find too is the taking the initiative and taking the action to go out and go do it. Mm-hmm. You didn't just look at the ribbon cutting ceremonies and say, hey, this is coming up. You're like, no, let me go there. Let me make it my business to be to everyone. So now I'm building a relationship with the Chamber of Congress. Every time they see me at a ribbon cutting ceremony, hey, that's Erica. How you doing, girl? Like, what's going on? But if you hadn't take, taken that step, if you would have let in fear saying, you know what? I don't belong here. This isn't my type of event. Or I don't even know what's going to be at this ribbon uh, ceremony. What is it about? I don't, I don't need to go to that. If you were to look at it in that perspective, you would have never grown and watered your flower and blossomed into what you are today. So, so I, I want to ask a question because I know you had touched on it. You touched on it throughout the episode. So I know you said you went through the YouTube, via the YouTube, you started teaching courses. And uh, so with that, I wanted you to speak on that a little bit. Like what all courses do you offer or how, how did you, uh, how do you go about that? So a, a lot of times I was offering, like you can go back and look at all my videos from 2017, 2018, a lot of free credit information. Like, mm. and the reason I, this is the thing, people don't respect free, right? I can tell you step-by-step step on how to do something for absolutely free. I can turn around and charge you $197. You buy it and actually take all the steps. Mm-hmm. And I've learned this over and over. I've tried so hard to like give free, 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 free. If people don't respect free, they respect when they pay for something. So a lot of my courses at the time were my number one course that sells every single day of the week. Every time I turn on the computer, every morning I wake up, it sells is a tackling course. Why? Mm-hmm. Because all over America, people don't pay their taxes or they wait too long or they wait too late. And, you know, um, a lot of times what I tell people is, the tax lien is the first sign before the wholesaler comes later, right? The tax lien is usually years before, you know, they let that property go, right? So a lot of times, depending on the city and state, the tax lien, you're just making interest on the debt. So let's say they owe $2,000 in taxes, you know, the city offers you 18% interest on the money. You're going to get not only, you know, you're going to get your interest back on the money, right? Because at the end of the day, the city got to pay the trash man, the city got to pay the teachers, the city got to pay everybody, the roads, like they're not going to let you not paying your tax bill hold them up from making a check, right? Uh, and so that's one part. Secondly, there's some states where they call tax lien certificate and you can actually acquire the property, which is Alabama and, uh, you know, Gary and Anna, people always talk about that. And what happens is the city are like, it's better to let go of this vacant, empty property to somebody who's willing to buy it and put money into it and just sit on our books and make no money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so tax liens is a very powerful way, especially even in a recession or not in a recession, that you can acquire property depending on the city or state, and you can also require interest on your money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing. So that's my most popular class. My other classes are, you know, stock kind of a uh, wow investing Wednesday. Um, another one of my classes that's really big is. <clears throat> Financial freedom starts at the basement. And I kind of just tell people kind of how to stack and ladder uh, their income and kind of, you know, repair themselves from the basement. Because if you have no financial knowledge, you have to start somewhere. 
Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to start investing and do all this. But they have no money. They have no their mindset isn't prepared for any of the things they're asking for. A lot of people are like, hey, can you put me on trucks? Um, but they can't even afford the five hundred dollar Hood Estates course. And I go, do you know how much truck tires cost? A lot. Do you know a tire blew out last week and I had to pay a thousand two hundred dollars over the phone or or the delivery would be late. Now, I don't deal with deliveries, but literally this was a delivery going to Mercedes Benz. So this was valuable parts. And so they were like, this has to be fixed right away. Um, you know, do you know how much oil changes are? It was like $675 last week. They had to do an oil change last minute in the middle of the night at a Lovey's or whatever those places are called TA in Lovey's. Alabama somewhere. Right. You know, yeah. so if you don't, if you can't afford the $500 to invest in the course, you are going to be very surprised when expenses come. And honestly, if you have a truck that's not running, it's a giant paperweight. That's what it is. Just honestly, it's just a, it's a, it's a 50 pound, $50,000 pound, you know, paperweight. So that's why I picked those courses. That's why I teach them. But those were to me the most important because I also have a course called um, Laptop to ATM, where mm -hmm. I show a lot of things where you can make money from your laptop. And I'm going to add more to it coming up here pretty soon. I just have been swamped because a lot of times people say, well, how are you making money from your computer? Well, I would go on here and I would do this or I go on Upwork or I go on Fiverr or I would go here, I go on forums, right? Uh, data entry. Like there's a lot of things that you can do uh, to make money. So those have been my biggest courses. I pretty much am not going to make any more courses. Only one other course I'm going to make is called the Six Figure YouTuber. And I realized how thick it is. Like I started recording for it and I was like, I can't sell this for less than like a thousand or two thousand dollars. This is ridiculous. Like because it's like I'm teaching you how to do a business in a box. And it's hard. I think people think I'm gonna watch three videos. And I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be on and popping. I'm like, nah, baby, nah. <laughs> like, there's more to this than possible. Because what people don't understand is, yeah, I make five to ten grand from YouTube for my sales, but I also make ten to twelve grand a month off affiliate marketing. Sometimes ten to twenty-four thousand dollars a month off affiliate marketing. And where I bring somebody on course, which I only bring. There's very few people that come on my channel and talk. If you notice my style, I bring on people who are teaching something a skill or something you learn. Nine times out of 10, you'll see Terry Egioma talking about stocks. That's someone I trust, uh, teaching day trading, swing trading. Then you have Kamoy Matthews. She comes on talks about tech writing because there's ways for us to get in the tech industry without ever getting a degree. Mm. Uh, there's a Chris Johnson. He comes on talks about tech. He's been in IT and tech for 20 years out of the military. No uh, degree. Okay. There is uh, Charm City Buyers come on. I share how they analyze properties and do deals out of Baltimore. I think um, House Hunters, Nita, Cousin Nita's been on talking about wholesaling. You know, I pick very select people because I don't want to, um, I don't want affiliate market for everybody. That's that's unnecessary. You literally could pick four people and make a million dollar a year, right? Like there's a lot, you know, there's a lot going on behind the scenes and I'm gonna save it for the end of the year. But I'll definitely tell people like it, it went to a million pretty fast once you start laying the bricks right, so. Well, y'all be on the lookout for that course, definitely. <laughs> it's probably gonna be like a Christmas special or something. I don't know. I'm probably gonna save it towards Christmas or something. <laughs> gotcha. Y'all look out. I, I want to touch on something there too, like from what you had said with the uh, with the tax liens. I, um, that was actually how I very first heard about it. I was reading uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, and he talks about a portion in there where he's talking about uh, how he's getting interest on his money. And uh, he basically talks about tax liens and deeds. And um, so I look him up and I'm like, you know, what is this talking about? So I go to YouTube and Erica is the first person that I find, especially that looks like me. <laughs> and so I'm watching the videos and I'm listening. 
And I'm like, oh man, this is great. And then I go to Instagram, and from there, I ended up finding a lot more of the people from the community. The, the House Hunter, uh, you know, Nita, the Charm mm-hmm. Fires, with everybody like that. Like that, that was really cool. But um, with the, with the Texans, I also try to tell people I think that might be one of the only risk, almost risk free investments out there. Because like, you're gonna get your money back. You're gonna get your interest. Like she was saying. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's pretty freaking awesome, man. And so as far as the, the trucking, uh, I like what you said there too, because it's like, if you don't, if you're not prepared for the, the business that you're about to jump into, you could easily end up uh, weighing over your head, especially as far as the expenses. Cause it's like what you said, like if you don't have, you know, $500 for the course and you turn around and you're trying to buy a truck, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a rude awakening when something goes wrong with it. And uh, my, my dad's a truck driver and, uh, and a lot of things do go wrong with those trucks because you're putting a lot of wear and tear on a vehicle that's going back and forth thousands of miles all the time, you know? So it's, you, you have to be prepared for that stuff. And I think it's really cool that you're coming out with a course that is basically teaching people, this is the bricks that you lay before you get to, you know, moving up to making that money. But it's also really cool that once you do lay the bricks and get everything done, like you said, in four to five years, it moves really quickly. I, I told them, like, they could literally, uh, there's a, a, a show, a podcast called Old Dogs Network, kind of cracks me up, and that's D-A-W-G-S, all right, Old Dogs. And what they do is they bring on people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, and they basically come on and say, I didn't have no retirement. Guess what I did? I bought a property every year for five years. And I've been telling people that, and they're like, Erica, that ain't going to work. And I'm like, listen, if you start right now, you buy one property a year, one rental a year for the next 10 years, at the end of 10 years, your life is different from all your other friends. It just is, because two, one or two things are going to happen. One, other people are going to find you and try to offer you houses faster. It happens all the time. Um, and two you're going to get to property five, six, or seven and decide, okay, well, I can invest in a franchise. I can invest in this, or I can invest in that. Like, I don't just have to do houses. Mm -hmm. Uh, You'll see a lot of people that are in their 60s and 70s panicking at the last minute, but they don't have to panic as much if they buy one house a year for the next five to 10 years, their 70s and 80s and 90s can still look good. So there was a book I read one time, and it was saying, if you're financially struggling from 35 to 55, ooh, your senior senior years are going to be hell. You, it's just statistically, you're going to be going through hell. And unfortunately, a lot of people, they wait to the last minute till they about day 30, about to hit 30, and then they get serious about their career. And then five years into getting serious, what, they're 35 now, right? So now they got to like, oh my God, I got to do all this to save for the future. Kids are already probably in the process. And then they got to worry about their parents. And so my biggest thing to people is like, it ain't going to take your whole life. Right. There's a lot of articles that are negative and like it's going to take you 20 years to get out of poverty. Like, nah, man, it, it, it takes a five years of focus. But see what five years of focus looks like, looks like doing too much. Right. Five years of focus to most people is like, oh, Eric, you're doing a lot. OK, so it's do five years of this and be a millionaire and go on, do what I want to do. Have kids go live my chip and joy in a games life out here in Texas or struggle for the next 20 years. With, the choice is yours. Right. The choice is yours. So. I definitely think a lot of work looks like retiring from a company after working for 40 years and I don't have shit. And then I still have to come back and find another way to make ends meet. That sounds like a lot of hard work to me. Yeah. Well, but people like to coast. Let's be honest. People like to coast. Like there's a, I will tell you this and I, this is no, no need picking. But when I was doing credit repair and I had a staff, you know, a staff member help me, 
90% of my clients were men. 90% were men. They were white men and black men. And mm -hmm. this is what, this is the, uh, this is just the average statistic. They would get about 32. We'd, we'd be from 30 to 32. And I would say, you know, we'd have their information, like send me over your driver's license. Let me, you know, get your information get you straight. It'd always be a very tall, somewhat attractive white or black man. But guess what? At 32, you have to start showing results. You, you can't, looks don't matter. <laughs> Being tall and, and, and looking good, it won't cut it no more. You no, need right. to be able to get your own car. You need to get your own apartment. You need to be able to have credit. Like this was the, from all these phone conversations, I promise you, this was the number one thing. The man would meet a woman and she'd be like, oh, boo-boo, your stuff is not together. Okay. You know, <laughs> and, and the man would be like, I'm going to get it together today. Today, <laughs> right? And he would go get credit repair. He would go change it 180 degrees, right? And so what was cracking me up is it was, it, I mean, I could time it like a dollar. I could be like, give me a dollar, y'all. I'm going to talk to two men today. I bet they're going to be on the phone saying, I got to do right right now. I mean, I even had one guy, he got divorced, he had kids, but it was because he met a new woman who won't go put up with that. He was changing his whole life. Six months later, this dude owned two rental properties, had a car, had credit, and moved out of his mama's house, helped his mom's house. I mean, and it really is focus. Every single one of these people, like, I'm, I'm making a joke of it, but the, yeah. the truth of it is it was focus. Gotcha. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, all of a sudden, being tall, looking good, haircut didn't matter, right? <laughs> you know, shoes, car didn't matter. What matter is, Oh, I have I have to like push up mm. and, and people will get real focused. And so I really am I'm big on that. Like I've seen people's whole lives change in a year. I've seen it. I've seen folk come from bad credit to all of a sudden they own a business, they got a new car, they got a new house. All the women that used to be in their life, like, hey, <laughs> what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like I've seen it. And so I'm I'm big on like I feel like in our community and outside of our community, there's a lot of coasting going on in America. Yeah. The reason immigrants come here and just go ham is they can see it. They're here with fresh eyes, right? Yeah. They come in, they're like, oh, all the opportunity everywhere. Yeah. Oh my God. It's amazing. Right. But we're sitting here like, I'm not going to work that job. I'm not going to do this. And I realized that when I was living in North Carolina, I was like, even if I moved to Charlotte because of who my family was, I wasn't going to work a lot of different jobs. I knew that. I knew that about myself and knew I needed to leave either to Nashville or Austin, Texas to just, I mean, I remember telling my family I was delivering pizzas. Now, what came out of delivering the pizzas is I learned an entire area. And when I got my real estate license, I started talking to this guy and I could name off streets where I saw properties and, and prices and all this stuff. And he was like, that is valuable more than you ever know because people just don't know areas. And that would have never happened in North Carolina. I'd have never delivered pizza in North Carolina. Never. I'd have never delivered pizza, you know. It, I just because of who my family was and who I who I who I associated myself to be. So sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone. And the reason I bring that up is 80% of people live within one hour of their mother. It's actually like IRS and the government have documented that people do not move more than one hour from their mothers I'm on average in this country. That. Yeah. That's so good. so a lot of times you won't do stuff because well my family might see me, my friends might see me. I can't do that job. I can't deliver pizza. Oh, I can't drive Uber. I can't do this. And you go, well, it has to be a turning point for you. Mm. Right? Like I decided that I didn't want to be a woman in later years going, I have to marry this person because I don't have no money. Mm. Right? And I've seen that. Unfortunately, I've, I've seen women marry somebody that you're like, oh, why are you marrying him, girl? What's going on? And, and, and that happens. That's real life. That really happens. I've seen men marry people that I'm like, she a nurse. I'm like, what that got to do? She ain't nice. He's like, but she a nurse. Nurses she a make nurse. money. 
right? You know, and you're kind of like, oh, baby, that's that's a bad way to live, right? Mm-hmm. We could just make a choice to, to really press hard for a year or two and change our life. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, this is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Yeah, I think a lot of people do that just because it's easy. You know, people don't like it's easy to do, and people don't like getting out of their comfort zone. It's something that, as Americans, we we do it all the time. And I think, I think to build wealth, you have to get out of your comfort zone. You're gonna have to do things that you necessarily wouldn't have did if you like like you like you said if you lived close to my mom or close to my friends. To build wealth, you're gonna have to get out of that that shell and try new things. You never know what could happen if you do it. And I think, especially in the in the younger generation, it's easy for us to go and party all party party and get out all night and spend money doing that instead of investing in ourselves and investing in different in different businesses. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, Kelly. Can I can I add on tack on a little bit to what you're saying? Yeah. I think I think it comes because of the fact that like some I think about on the daily too. Like I'm looking at my Instagram feed, and you know I'm seeing people going on trips. I'm seeing people going and having fun. You know, you're getting to see the highlight reel, but you're not getting to see the stuff on the back end, what their account looks like. You know, what what, what they were looking like after or before they had to pay rent coming up or anything like that. It's like you're not seeing the progress that they're making versus the progress that you make. And I I struggle with that myself. Like I'd be like, man. It sucks. It feels like I'm saving money, but dang, I, I want to go have fun. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the point of me documenting. Like I tell people, mm-hmm. I could go right now. I remember talking to this consultant. He said, man, we can go get you this new car. You got money. Let's go get this Mercedes. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I said, but then that's just me being like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I'd rather document the journey and show you in five years, really four years, I went from terrible to millionaire because of choices. And people don't want to like, oh, that's not possible. You know, it really is like it, it's crazy if I could show people all the back behind the scenes, but you know, again, it, it's it's very funny because I just because we live in such and there's a book called uh, Earl Nightingale leads the field, and it was like in America you can live in a low gear. We 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 don't want to force people into a high gear of living unless they want it, but it's so easy in America to do very average things, do average work, pay your rent. Like I remember going by Chili's one time for we had a happy hour. And I don't even like chilies, but I had to go because it was a group, right? And it was all these Camaros in the back for the cooks. Mm. All these cooks making fifteen dollars an hour with Camaros. Now, what the what the was what does the rest of their money look like? Right. You know what Nothing. I'm saying, right? Look, bare, look, probably live with their mama, probably live with their girlfriend. You know what I mean? So, and so it's something that like people want to reward themselves without doing the work. And that's and there's a book to tie off that back part. Of what I'm saying is there's a book called average is over and this book came out years ago and i thought oh you know whatever right but it's it's spot on it's spot on because you're not going to be able to do average things in a lot of cities and still get by financially there's a book called average is over in frugal wood where you see prime example you hear about gentrification people like oh gentrification hurt me it's hurting me but if you look in the neighborhood certain people in that neighborhood and poor white people in the same city areas they moved out to 
USDA loan spots and got those homes zero, no money down mm -hmm. many years ago. And now you have people running, right? Like I'm in Austin, Texas. Pflugerville is where 80% of black people have moved to all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they waited so long. Now, Pflugerville used to be zero, no money down homes, a $180,000 house or $150,000 house. Now that same area is $280,000, $290,000 homes. And some of you ain't going to get no USDA loan. You got to go further out now, right? Huddle. But why is that? People are being reactionary instead of proactive. Proactive is when you plan. Proactive is when you say, we can't afford to stay in Austin no more. 80% of the black people have left. We should leave too and go out and get us some land, right? Or go get us this house out here. Reactionary is when, oh, the taxes is 10 grand a year now. Okay, I got to leave. I got to sell against my, you know. And this is where the conversation of gentrification, where people are being forced out. No one forced you out. You refused to make, you saw the neighborhood change. You saw things changing. You didn't buy a home when it was ran down. You ain't bought a home when it was going up. Now you realize rent is twice X. Now you got to leave. These are all things that are reactionary. That's not being proactive. And a lot of times you talk to people, I'm doing the best I can. I'm taking care of these kids. I'm getting these kids to school. That's what you're supposed to do. Like, Ooh. this is not a, a, you don't get an award for that. You better preach, girl. You know hey, what I'm saying? You to step on the toes today. But, well, I mean, <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm going to go down that hole because people need to hear that. Like, for real. Reactionary. You're, you're reacting to what you should have been proactive about. It's the same thing every time somebody dies. He didn't have no insurance. Baby, like, insurance is 40 bucks a month when you're young. You wait till you get diabetes and 100 pounds overweight to try to get insurance. Of course, it's expensive. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, I just, I keep telling people it's, you know, it's not to be offensive. There are plenty, like, I'll tell you this right now. I'm Erica Williams, and I am not going to be, um, you can do this. It's okay. Everything's all right. Like, I'm not that person. I came from a military family. I have a military mom who did 26 years. I have multiple military uncles. We were just no nonsense. I got a lot of cops in my family. They're like, this is the rules. You break the rules, you break the rules. Like, you, 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 there has to be someone in our community that goes back to the basics. You know, mm -hmm. I had an uncle who used to get on people's nerves. He'd be like, pull your pants up. But he wouldn't do it in a way that disrespected the young man he was talking to. He'd always go up close and be like, man, pull your pants up. And he'd talk to them. And you could see in those young men's eyes, instead of being angry because somebody told him to pull their pants up, they would talk to him because what? Because it was somebody who actually cared, who walked up close, who thought, hey, hey, what's going on with you, right? How's your day? Pull your pants up, right, you know? And and that's the problem in our community. We don't have any more of those military uncles. We don't have any more of those men who are like, hey, hey, cut that out. You know, we don't have those people anymore because we've kind of run them off, if we be honest. We've run them off. And we don't want to be, we don't want to hear it. So, that's I mean, so you know. critical. Like, what you just said is so critical because – that is how we've lost structure with a lot of things within our community. But also, like you said, a lot of people, they're scared or they confuse being a realist or someone who's being very logical to them for being, like you said, offensive. You're they being mean. Offended. How dare you? I yeah. You, that's bad. <laughs> you like, offended okay. for actually showing them this is what's going on with your life. If you were to stop doing these things because your situation is a reflection of your habits of what you're doing. If I'm constantly going out every weekend, constantly tricking off my money, of course I'm going to be in a bad situation. 
But if I took the approach you took and said, hey, let me sacrifice, not even let me sacrifice, let me invest in myself for these five years. So within the next five years, I get a major ROI on my investment. Now I'm a millionaire. Your kids see you. Listen, people, this is what I tell people. People having fathers not live at home, it doesn't cause, uh, people say, oh, it causes depression and crime and these kids act up. No, what it causes is them to have not a realistic expectation of life. I'm very grateful that my parents were together for a long time. Then my mom got married and my stepdad and her been together forever and ever and ever. Because what I got to see is a realistic expectation of people coming home every day mm-hmm. and dealing with cooking dinner and dealing with this is how uh, necessarily your mom's emotions are and this is how your father's emotions are right? There's a counterbalance, right? It's not always a turnip. It's not always a party. It's not always a this. And what people really are missing is the counterbalance in their life to say, hey, next two years ain't going to be fun. You know, next two years ain't going to be this. You know, you're not going to come over here and get a pickup, get a truck, and then you go going uh, to Miami every weekend, right? You know, there's not, um, there's one guy who actually owns a truck and he's always on Instagram showing all this life. And people be like, oh, man, I want to buy a truck. And I go, wait, but y'all don't know the fact that he has, you know, three other rental properties. Y'all don't know the fact that he has other investments. He's not he's not showing you that. He's showing him going to Miami every weekend. Yeah. You're looking at the results of the fruit, okay? And what's happened in America and, and even on Instagram is we don't have a mama and a papa, right? And I'm doing very generic terms here. We have mama, happy mama, play games mama, have a good time mama, vacation mama. Daddy is, hey you better make some investments. Hey, you better have your insurance. Hey, you better do this. Hey, you better do that. We don't have that. And, mm. and that's what you see. You see the result of like grown people going, I got this car and I got all these credit cards and I went on vacation. And now, now I have to work an extra job or now I have to pay it off. Same thing with the student loans. You talk to people, 20 K in student loan debt. If you do 10 years and this is very basic math, this is simple math for everybody to follow 20 K 10 years, 150 bucks a month for 10 years. That's all that is. That's all that is. So you're telling me you didn't have $150 every month. Now let's even break it down even smaller. You didn't have $37 and 50 cents each week to pay over 10 years. Your life is messed up, baby. Mm -hmm. It's not the student loans. It's, it's you, it's the budget. It's, it's you. And so I'm all for people saying, oh, Eric, I need student loan forgiveness. I got $200,000, $300,000, but let's be honest. I worked in student financial aid office. I remember them having conversations with people like, listen, honey, we can't give you anymore because you're already at $500 monthly payments. I don't care. I want the loan. Okay, well, we've advised you. We told you what we can do, what your future is going to look like, and people still took the money. So I I believe we don't have the mama and papa kind of of, uh, balance in our lives right now. That's all this is. Yeah, that's a great analogy, though. That, that's, yeah. I'm going to have to breathe right quick, man. <laughs> Coming on here, just speaking the truth and really just some great topics. And I love the, the, the basically what, you, what you're saying is the accountability. A lot of people don't like to, to accept that accountability of, you know, kind of using that example like what we talked about earlier. I work and I know I make $15, like that, that person at the Chili's. I know I make $15 an hour. I'm cooking back here. I'm about to go, I know I'm, you know, maybe or maybe not barely making it. And then I go and buy this Camaro that I know I can't make the payments on, but I want to be able to flex. And then I'm going to turn around and tell somebody, well, oh, now I have to go work a second job. Well, no, you have to take the accountability that you went and bought that car and now you want to work that second job because you put yourself in that position. And I love that, like, that's what you're preaching because I I agree with you. Like, 
we in the African-American community, especially now in the U.S., from what seems to be the pulse of what's going on with a lot of people, we need that accountability. We need people to say, hey, suck it up, get over it. You put yourself in a position, you got to get over it or get through it. I think Max Maxwell has a video went viral where he was talking about nobody cares about you protesting in the street, talking about gentrification. He was talking about mm-hmm. gentrification. Mm-hmm. He was like, when you had a chance to own it, you didn't want to buy it. When you had a chance to keep her in my house, you didn't want to do it. You know, like, like if you really look at it right now, um, a lot of the places that, you know, gentrification is heavy, Houston, when the storm came, uh, these houses were near downtown. They're worth three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. But the people would sell their grandma house for thirty k because it was a lump sum of cash. Mm-hmm. How bad is your financial position that thirty k comparative to like that's just bad math. This house is mm-hmm. worth half a million, but I'm willing to get thirty k because I'm gonna get it in a lump sum. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm-hmm. And even like um, there's a newspaper article and I reel about it. If you've seen the channel, I talk about it a lot because I'm so angry about it. It's in Clemson, South Carolina. And, you know, Clemson done won how many championships? Like three now or two against mm-hmm. Alabama. So you're going to have all these people coming in, going to school there, blowing that area. Up. Well, people are like, they they trying to buy our houses for 30K. Well, the woman in the newspaper article, they took a picture of her in front of her house. This is the, It blows my mind. Her blinds all tore up from some kind of animal, trash in the yard. And she's like, yeah, I mean, the taxes are going up and I'm so upset. And they're like, well, how long you been here, ma'am? I inherited this house 13 years ago. You have a mortgage on it? No, but the taxes are going up. So you telling me you got a free house from 13 mm. years ago. You've seen Clemson get bigger and bigger and bigger over 13 years. Now, of course, that means you probably have to work because let's be honest, South Carolina property taxes are like $500 a year. So what this woman is really telling me, yeah, 500 to 1,000. It's very low. That's very like low. Louisiana too, though, because yeah. Louisiana yeah. property taxes are low. Low. So what you're telling me is you was chilling. And now the Clemson's blowing up. Your property tax might be two grand a year, maybe. And now instead of paying $200 a month or $100 a month, now you got to really pay $300 a month, right? The condition of the house showed me everything I needed to know about her. You inherited something for free. You didn't appreciate it. You're not cleaning the yard up. The blinds look terrible. You've had something for free for 13 years. And now you're complaining. These are things, this is a, (laughs) that's a grateful Problem, not a, a financial problem. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's a gratitude problem. That's not a that's not a financial problem. And so a lot of times in America, I think a lot of us have a gratitude problem, mm-hmm. right? Like you know we you know a lot of us get an inheritance, we just don't like it, right? You got grandma, how I don't want that, right? You got grandma's Lincoln, I don't want that, right? We want cold hard cash, right? We want JG Wentworth, give me my money now, kind of thing. And it's a gratitude problem, you know. It's all mindset, you know what I mean, like. I've seen kids here in Austin be semi-homeless, live, sleeping on the floor of somebody's house, and literally turn, turn their life around two, three years. I mean, I've just seen it. And mm-hmm. it, it, it'd be one thing if you're like, well, Eric, you don't know my story. I'm like, I don't. I really don't know every individual person's story. But 90% of the time, if you work a full-time job or, or, or two jobs for one year, it usually gets you out of whatever problem you have. If your mm-hmm. problem lasts longer than that, we got to talk about it. Something's wrong. Something's off. I don't know what it is, but something's off. You gotta let those credit cards go. Let them go, and just pay your uh, essentials. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, I love it. I love it. I love the 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 honesty, the bluntness. The it has to be what it has to be. I I really love it. We need that in the community. We need that bluntness. To people to tell how how it really is, and how how really the world is, and tell you. Hey, you are messing up. Look, this is what you need to do. 
to, to fix your financial situation or this is what you need to do to be grateful for what you got to turn mm-hmm. your mindset around so you can turn your financial situation around. For real. And I love how the episodes go full circle because you said at the very beginning of the episode that people don't appreciate free. And then what do we talk about right there at the end? People not caring about the, the, the house that was an inheritance. People not caring about the stuff that they got for free. It, yeah. it always is the truth, man. I was going to say, the thing on the trucks, I know we didn't feel hit the truck part, but I was going to say, the thing on the trucks is, we all know somebody who drives a truck, right? Like, mm. in the black community, you probably could throw a rock and hit I'll somebody who drives a truck. Drive trucks. Drive a truck somewhere, right? It's a it's an industry that you can come out of high school driving truck, right? And, but how many people do you know own a truck? Not a lot. Right? Okay. So let's do a really quick math problem. You might know it, Jared, if you ever talk about it. There's 3.5 million truck drivers. What percentage of truck drivers own their truck? Take a I'm guess, Jalen. You already know. Take a guess, Jalen. Uh, 0.35. <laughs> I'm just going to revert. I'm going to just reverse it. It's probably like, I'm going to say. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Yep. Oh, percentage, like one, two percent of all truck drivers might own their truck. It's a little, it's a little hard. Jalen being conservative. It, so out of 3.5 million drivers, there are 380,000 who own their truck. So let's do that math again. 300, 3.5 million U.S. drivers, 380,000 own their truck, y'all. That's, that's low. That's real low. Now, what's the, why is this important? As a co- company driver, you can make 32 cents to 40 cents a map. Mm-hmm. As an owner, Kelly, Kelly probably know what I'm talking about, right? As an owner, operator, you can, you can get $1.72 to $3 per mile. That's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother life. That's why when you see these numbers, when people say, oh, truck driver only make 40, 50K a year. No, no, no. That's a local driver. That's an old boy that ain't, he's driving for $13 an hour dropping TVs off or something. You know what I mean? That's small. Usually on average, these guys can make six figures, but, you know, it's kind of a stereotype in the trucking industry that, they're the richest and brokest people you ever know. They'll make 10K a month and still ain't got no money. Like I had a driver who had a girlfriend in California with a baby and a wife in North Carolina with a baby, right? He's like, he needed to drive all the time. And he had a great route that went from here, North Carolina to California. Mm-hmm. He would go back and forth. I mean, he was wow. living the dream, okay? So, but he has to work. Like it, there is no stop. There is nothing but work for him. Now, why did I get on trucks? One, because we always know somebody who's a, who's a driver, but never an owner Two, because what I started seeing, what I started encountering was I started just researching. 
and we aren't taught research well in school. You, you get a little bit of research in college. Masters, people get master's degrees. We may talk junk about them, but they do get a lot of research skills. I researched that over <clears throat> 30,000 Sikh Indians had came into the industry in 2017 and 2018. That means 15,000 in 2017 and 15,000 in 2018. Now, what do we know about the Indian American community in the United States? They came in on minority and minority loans into the hotel industry. Every hotel, in, yeah, get your pen and paper, Jalen. The hotel industry. <laughs> about to die. <laughs> in the hotel industry, they um, there is a thing with Hilton, um, Hyatt, you name it. Any of the hotels you can think of, you name it. They have a minority loan program. So it originally was set up for veterans, women, black people, Hispanic people. Well, who took great advantage of that? The Indian yeah. community, because they were minorities. Well, now the Indian community owns 48% of all hotels. I think they're at 51% here shortly. 48% of all hotels in the whole United States, right? Hotels are synonymous with Indian Americans at this point, right? Mm -hmm. So if you tell me 30,000 Sikh Indians, which is a different sect of India, because we have India so big, it's a billion people, have come into the industry, what that tells us we have we have less than 10 years. Honestly, it tells me I have less than five before we're not in an industry either. Now, what do I mean by that? One of the guys that's most popular in the, you can Google this on your own three time, he owns nine trucks and a truck stop. I actually asked truckers about this truck stop just to see if they knew what I'm talking about. They're like, oh yeah, I stopped by there. He got good Indian food. You're talking about truckers knowing about Indian food who are from Ohio, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's how popular he is, okay? Now, if I've sold you the bill of goods that you're going to come to America and you're going to drive trucks and you're going to make a ton of money, what is what is the next step for you? You have to own a truck. So if you tell me 30,000 guys all go and own one truck, that's big. But imagine all those guys go own two or three trucks. They control an industry. Right. Or no longer in that industry unless you just drive. Now, on the flip side of that, another part of that, uh, in Dallas, there's uh, four African guys from... Not the Congo. One's from the Congo, but that one for the, I hate not knowing the countries. I feel bad, but you can go Google this. Dallas um, African truck owners, zero to 300 trucks. They have 300 trucks. They have a whole industry Damn office man. where they hired all their own people. And literally they say in the video, we had to hire Americans because of American laws. And so they show the one white guy, the one white lady in the office, the one Hispanic person, because they had to, <laughs> but they were only going to hire their own people, right? <laughs> I point that out because what people don't understand is they did a, a change this year. Instead of the year analysis, they did a hair test. I can tell you personally, I went through 30 guys who were veterans, clean driving records, but they could not pass the hair test because the hair test pulls you back about six months. Yep. What's been in your system? The P test, you can trick the P test. Who can pass the hair test and the P test? Indian drivers, without a problem. Right, mm -hmm. pass it on, right on through. I went through 30 black veterans and actually 29 black veterans, one white guy veteran who was like, Miss Williams, I can't pass that test. So there's thousands of guys getting pushed out from one test. They didn't have to push them out via paper. They didn't have to push them out being changing regulations. One test changed that. And mm -hmm. if I went through 30 guys, I'm pretty sure other people went through hundreds who could not pass that test. So when I tell you that we're going to get pushed out of industry, I'm a researcher and I research hard. And I mean it. I mean, you're not going to own trucks in this industry. You're not going to own them. You're not going to drive them. You don't have to worry about self-driving trucks. You just won't be able to get a job in this industry at some point. In the future. 
And that's, I know it, I know it for certain. I can see it. I can see it when I'm talking on the phone to dispatchers uh, who are all from Middle Eastern countries. Uh, the, the company I'm working with right now, I'm not gonna say the name of it, that one guy's from Serbia, the other guy's from Ukraine. They're like, I love working with you. You're such a hustler. Um, and when I was talking with them, they were kind of yelling. I said, let me tell you something. You don't yell at me. Oh, that's how we talk in our country. That's not how you're going to talk to me. I'm the businesswoman here. You don't talk to me that way. Okay. So I had to train them on that. My drivers were from uh, Sudan and Congo and Morocco. When they realized I was the owner, they're like, okay, boss lady. Like kind of laughing, but realized, oh, 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 she's boss lady. So I'm trying to, I'm trying my hardest to ring the bell that if you want to be in America and you want to have the American dream, you're going to have to own something, whether mm -hmm. it's trucks or your own home or something. The, the days of average is over. And, and, and when I mean average, I mean, average is when your dad can work at a factory, your mom can stay home and you could just, you have a good life, you go to college and you're going back to, you could do average. No, 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 no. The, the real class, the real millionaire, you know, middle class that we talk about, real middle class to me in my mind and has been for years, they're business owners. That's it. The eye doctors, the, the chiropractors, the, you know, I know a lot of um, surgeons, different people who, you know, plumbers who own a business who make 250K to 400K a year. Mm -hmm. And even they struggle, but that's a true middle class. You know, the guy who's an engineer making 120K a year and marries a school teacher who makes 30. He thinks he's middle class. He thinks he's the shit because he's an engineer, but that's not true middle class. Like that's, if your wife quits working and she wants to spend a little bit extra that year, it gets tight real fast. Mm -hmm. Finances get tight real fast. And a lot of my phone calls were from people who, my wife had a baby and we didn't have her income. So we struggling. Oh no, 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 honey. You're the husband. You are the husband. I know we all need quality and all stuff, but you're the husband. You're going to have to figure it out because babies happen especially if you're married, babies happen. You can't depend on that income. And so if nothing else from this whole podcast you watch or anything I put on YouTube is in order to be a part of that middle class you guys are thinking of in the future, um, it's going to require you either own some rentals because there will always be people who rent their whole life. It's going to require you to own a business because people still need service businesses, you know, ACs, plumbing, repair, roofs. People will still need those things. And the average uh, plumber, electrician, and repair, roof repair guy is at 58 years old. Mm. So those guys ain't going to be able to climb on roofs or climb. I mean, like, I literally was in traffic and took a picture. Two men in a manhole were completely gray and very old. And I'm like, if they fall down in that manhole, somebody got to go down there and go get them. <laughs> but, that, but that's the whole thing. We've been teaching everybody to go to college, but we need to be teaching some of these kids if you're a black guy and you live in Baltimore, Detroit, or uh, St. Louis, and you don't have a trade, what are you doing? Detroit mm -hmm. needs 600,000 trade guys. That's how much billions of dollars have been flowing in Detroit for the repairs downtown. And Detroit don't got a lot of Hispanics, okay? <laughs> they need you to do the repair, okay? Sure. Um, same thing in Baltimore. If you're a black guy and you're not in construction, I, I don't know what you're doing. If you don't have a trade and you don't have a job and you're just standing around the corner of your board, you should be in construction. If you're in Dallas, Texas, where we still have a ton of manufacturing, and you're a black guy and you're like, I can't find no job in Dallas, you're a lie. We need about a solid half a million workers just on the road in Dallas. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. a lot of construction going on. Dallas, Dallas is actually the second highest city in construction with $22 billion a year that they spend on construction. The one that trumps them is New York at $42 billion a year. 
and being from Dallas, man, 30, they were redoing all of 30. Yep. And that's going to be a, a five to 10 year project. Even 820, bro. Even whenever I was out there, like 820 was blowing up massively. Massively. So, so yeah, she's speaking. So that's, that's all I'm saying. But, I mean, if, if people have been watching my channel, they know I'm all about you owning a business. I'm all about you doing Shopify. You want to do real estate. But if you're a young man and you, uh, and 80% of my audience is men that watch, I'm like, get a trade, baby. Convince your nephews, do all you can because there's no reason you should have young men who are like, I can't make no money. You can. You're just going to have to get a trade. That's all. And people are like, oh, what about felons, Erica? Listen, it don't matter. You can be a felon, but right now in Texas, they are so short in Texas on, I don't know if you guys saw this on the news, on plumbers, <clears throat> that if you put in 300 hours, they let you be a plumber. If you work under somebody, you illegally can now be, call yourself a plumber. Like you have to, if you go work at somebody's office that has a plumbing company, you work with them for a year, you can legally call yourself a plumber because they're that short. They're that short. Now that's opportunity you should take advantage of if you listen to this. Yeah, I'm just telling. I mean, again, between the trucks, between real estate, if you are struggling in America, it's a choice at this point. Mm. And I'm careful on that because people say you don't know people's situation. I'm just telling you, if you got enough time to get this phone in your hand and be on Instagram all day, you got enough time to figure out how to get a trade or figure out something to make you money in this country. Yeah. That is a great way to conclude this episode. We are going to go into our last segment of the episode, which we call What's on Your Timeline. We forgot to tell you at the beginning of the episode. Okay. Sorry, but um, What's on Your Timeline, basically, we just ask our guests um, something that they saw on their timeline, on their social media feed, something they either talked about or something that they feel like they want to elaborate, highlight upon that you feel like needs to be heard or just something. Man, what's on your timeline? Man, you know, I, I'm not going to front you. Like, on my timeline is nothing but construction and pictures of my boat party I just went on. <laughs> so, like, I have been talking about super teams and collabing is, like, the future. Like, every other group of people collabs all day, right? I'm actually in the Asian American uh, Chamber of Commerce here in Austin, Texas. And I'm telling you, like, collabs happen every day of the week and twice on Sunday, okay? Um <laughs> And so I made an event six weeks and 40 people showed up from California, South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida. We got a guy fly from Alabama. Somebody flew from Lansing, Michigan. Like people, everybody in that room, I was like, if y'all stop and look in this room right now, there's 40 people, there's enough money in here to buy probably two apartment complexes. Okay. Mm. You look in this room, there's enough people in here. We probably all could have trust. We could all have whatever we wanted if we decided. Um, I've been at events earlier this year. I think I was at a wealth workshop and every we laughed in the room. We said, there's $50 million in this room because so many, everybody in the room was doing different businesses, but we just did the math just standing there. He was like, we could create an opportunity fund right now if y'all want. So again, my, my biggest thing is get in the room, go on event, right? Go to these events. I'm going to a thing tomorrow. Um, it's, it's, I don't want to say it cause I want people to show up and scare me, but a uh, financial independence thing. And essentially, it's just a group of people here in Austin who are like, hey, we're, we're free. We got money. What's up? Let's all meet up. Let's decide if we want to do anything. And, mm -hmm. and that I got it off of Eventbrite. No lie. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I just, what's on my timeline is a lot of people doing collaborations. That's what's on my timeline. Collaboration over competition. Keep that in your head. Super teams. Super teams. Listen, we make fun of LeBron. We make fun of all these people about these super teams. But that's how things get done. 
I'd rather work with a whole bunch of talented people than be the one workhorse carrying the whole team. That's all I'm saying. I mean, you literally could pull you and one friend and y'all go buy stuff. Like, I literally tell people this all the time. People are like, oh, community, group economics, Eric, we got to get the whole. Listen, listen, I don't need 100 people. I can go take me and one other person and we can go. I can like, if we started from nothing, clean our credits, go get us an account, go get us 100 to $250,000 in financing and let's go buy things. And and that's just how that's how fast this world is moving. And people, people, oh, I gotta convince all my family, all my friends. Not nah, like I don't have to convince anybody now. Now that I'm on this truck, I literally have family members call me tomorrow. I'm coming with my money on this date. Can we buy a truck with that? I'm Let's like, go. okay, we can do that. You show people results, people show up for you. And on that note, I want to let everybody know. Um, Erica does teach a lot of people how to do these things. We did touch on that. She teaches people how to invest. She teaches people how to fix their credit. She teaches people how to fix other people's credit. Uh, I was on her link a little while ago. You could tell. Yeah. <laughs> but, Funding um, course. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But uh, so can you tell them real quick about where they can find you and, and all the different stuff that, that you offer it, where they can find you? The best thing you can do is you can find me on Instagram at Erica's Classy Climb, and that's Erica with a C and a K. Um, you can literally type in your phone, theclassyclimb.com, and it'll pop you up on uh, the websites, the blog probably. You can go on YouTube. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> you can go on YouTube and find me at Erica Williams. I'm like the most dominant Erica Williams out there. <laughs> Everybody else has less videos. I think I'm at 1,700 videos at this point. Um, you know. Content queen. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I told y'all I looked up tax liens and deeds and she was the first one. Damn. There's a couple different funny things. There's a couple things called the Stessna app. It's for real estate. Literally, you if you type in Stessna app, I'm the first video to pop up underneath their company. I'm not even their company CEO pops up. I'm the first person to pop up. <laughs> People keep sending me a screenshot of it. So I mean it that's, is what it is. That's pretty dope. Um let's get into some housekeeping before we conclude this episode. Uh once again, we just want to start off by saying we thank everybody for tuning into our web, our episodes. We are now in the top 200 business episodes of our podcast. I didn't know if y'all knew that or not, guys. I didn't even know that. Yeah, we are now in the top 200 uh, for business uh, podcasts. Um, we appreciate y'all for constantly just, like I said, rocking and supporting with us. Um, y'all tune into our website, blackwealthrenaissance.com. We have courses. Uh, we're going. I don't know if we have Erica Williams' course up there, um, but we do have courses. We have, like she mentioned before, we have the Charm City Buyers courses where you can learn about real estate. We have the Mobile Home Elite courses where you can learn about investing in mobile homes, um, and we just have a ton of value provided for the people. If you want to go out and get out and learn, um, the biggest thing is you have to take initiative to go and learn and invest in yourself. Um, also. Our Patreon, Patreon, y'all, please sign up for our Patreon. We can't wait to get our first members so we can talk to them. You do get uh, exclusive access to us. You get exclusive videos, exclusive uh, footage with the Patreon. Um, Jared Kelly, y'all got anything else y'all want to add? Definitely. Y'all go uh, check out the website. We got on the merch. merch uh, yeah. We have been posting a lot of different pictures with it, uh, you know, just to kind of let y'all see what it looks like and everything. So I want y'all to go check that out. Like he said, check out the courses. Keep rocking with us. Keep, uh, you know, looking at the resources and stuff on the page. Look up the resources and stuff that Erica offers. 
like I said, she was one of the first people that I ever even came across. I'm a very big fan, so y'all go look at her content. She teaches you a lot, even for free. Before you start paying for stuff, she's teaching you a lot of free games. So y'all go check out a lot of that. And uh, just one thing I did want to start throwing in at the end of the episode is kind of like actionable steps. Y'all go like listen to the stuff and start taking notes, doing things that, that these people are saying. Because like she said, in four to five years, you can massively change your life. And two of the main things that I wrote down, just notes from what she said, make sure you have accountability. And the other one is get in the room. People say it on here all the time. Get around the people who you want uh, or who are doing what you want to do. So get in that room. Make it happen. Make action. What about you, Kelly? I just want to let everybody know, check out the blogs. We got a lot of good content on the blogs. Uh, I know this is probably going to be late, but I know we had one up there about the interest rates that's going, that's getting cut um, and the effects of that. Um, just check it out. Subscribe to our blogs and uh, we got them coming out every week. For sure, man. Well, once again, Erica, we appreciate you for coming on, being our great guest. We knew this was about to be a great episode. We have been looking to it for a long time, so we appreciate it. Thank you, guys. No problem. Uh, this is the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast signing out. Peace. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.